So Apple's second quarter results are out. Did you read through them? Or second uh, quarter uh, earnings, I suppose. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did see them. How how's business <laughs> over at your company? Um, well, the all the report, all the public reporting and filing seems like uh, Apple had a good quarter last quarter. It looks like there were a trillion dollars in sales of the purple iPhone. Wow. That's great. That's some real innovation you guys have pushed. Yeah, really the, the, nobody had bought anything until they announced the purple iPhone, and a hundred percent of the uh, of the wow. revenue has come from the purple iPhone. Well done. Pulled out a win from the jaws of defeat. Good on Apple. Uh, I still think uh, I'm honestly trying to decide whether to try to design an Apple TV remote case with the AirTag in it, but it's it's. Honestly, just probably not even worth trying. There's going to be a hundred different versions of it on uh, Amazon within a within a week, probably. Yeah, maybe everybody's thinking that though. You know, I don't know. That's true. Maybe. So we'll see. What else? What's on Hacker News? <laughs> um, well, I actually had some follow up. Oh, that's that's uh, always good. Yeah, some follow up on Mighty. Because oh, I feel wow. like I just don't know if we gave it enough time yesterday. No, I don't think we did. I'm glad we're doing this again. <laughs> I, I, re, I, re, I re-listened to the... I actually listened to yesterday's episode twice. Because I normally listen once. And right. then someone and was like... To boost our oh, numbers, of course. To boost our numbers, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't tell the advertisers. <laughs> um, and, then, and then somebody said, oh, they're going to listen to it to hear my opinions about Mighty. And then I was like, hmm, okay, I got to listen to this again so that I'm ready to discuss it further. And I realized, I feel like I actually wasn't clear enough. Okay, let's take it. (laughs) Round two, baby. Let's go. So I thought, let's just re-record the entire... No, Um, (laughs) I I just wanted to clarify that, okay, the there were two points that I thought was I didn't clarify well enough. Though the reason that thin client and rich clients are cyclical and the reason why this is like the ultimate thin client okay so my the point i wanted to make was that if you look at the history of computing you started with a computer and you typed and used the computer right where the physical computer was and then time sharing machines they they time sharing machines were invented and those all you had was a screen and a keyboard and you would type and then the computation would happen in some other room and it would be some huge, you know, supercomputer in a different room. And that so right there was the... is mighty. And so the computers that came before time sharing that you're alluding to, it's like, you know, yeah, like you're like sitting cards or something or like, yes, right. Like you're in the room where the, yeah. com- the, where the computing is happening. Right. Okay. Yes. And the computer is like the size of a room as well. Exactly. Right. Okay. They just moved the the like input output away from like where the the thing was like running the cpu okay and then that and the reason why like they do that is because you can you gain that you can gain power and it makes sense to centralize that power right so it doesn't make sense for like in 1960 didn't make sense for every single person to have their own computer they just all just had a screen and a keyboard and the computer was somewhere else Mm -hmm. and And that Multiple and that is mighty. Using, multiple people were using those time-sharing computers simultaneously? Exactly, it, yeah. Okay. 
And then that was replaced by like, I guess, workstations or like, yes, right. Any sort of like big on-site business computer that people could go and use that like wasn't, you know, that was a little smaller and that people would, well, I guess I don't really know when people started using having personal computers, but that would be the next wave of this particular like iterative cycle. Yes. Early eighties. Yeah. But then, so the end of that cycle didn't end until now is what you're saying is what you're arguing this is the end of the N- personal um, computer thin client or sorry mm, thick client wait. era uh well that was just like the there were that was for just like command line interface computers and then once you had graphical interfaces i think that in my mind that's like the next cycle where you had like the first computers that had a graphical user interface all of those were local right okay yes uh, and then more and more of the stuff started happening in the cloud. But then you get to like really mobile devices and you can't do that anymore, like phones. And the real question, I think the real question of like thin client versus rich client is like, if you turn the computer to airplane mode, how much can you get done? Mm-hmm. And that's why like the thin, that, that's why Mighty, I feel like is actually the ultimate thin client. And I was thinking this is, this could be how, the, what they do next. Here's a free idea for the folks at Mighty. They should make their own computer they should sell a computer that is just like a raspberry pi laptop or like a uh, like the, the smallest possible chromebook or something and then they should just give those out for free with a subscription <laughs> that is the all all this is is it's you have a screen and an input method and a computer in the cloud that's basically what they're going for i think uh you, they may not want to base their marketing uh, by bragging about how little you can achieve offline. <laughs> but besides that, totally, totally see the uh, see the appeal of that. All right. Well, that's what I wanted to clarify, uh, which I feel like was a little muddy last time. Yeah, I I got what you were saying uh, last time, but good to clarify. Yeah, mighty, pretty cool. I'm sure we'll be hearing about it more. Yep. Given how uh, how polarizing that HN launch was, absolutely. Yep. Uh, there's kind of a lot of little things here. Let's see. Uh, Signal got a subpoena from the Central District of California, and they just had a field day with it. Yep. I can it's, imagine uh, that. I guess they also received one of these back in 2015. I'm sure that was also big on Hacker News. Uh, but yeah, man, they were having fun with this one. It's the first half of 2021. Nearly five years since the first half of 2016. But in many ways, not that much has changed. The UK is still trying to figure out Brexit. Another Justin Bieber song hit number one on the charts. And Signal still doesn't know anything about you. And they go on to talk about how they received a subpoena asking for a bunch of user messages and addresses and the name associated with each account. And they are only able to provide a CSV of the Unix timestamp when each account was created and the date that account last connected to Signal. And that is all the information they just physically have access to. That's oh boy. great. Wow. Good for Signal. Yeah. Good luck to whoever issued that subpoena. I, I guess yes. they didn't read the first line of Wikipedia or something. <laughs> I guess not. It's a. Uh, it really is. It really is uh, truly ridiculous. They also had to like uh, put a section into the subpoena response describing like whether or not. The message, like, in from an information theory perspective, crosses state lines, which I guess affects jurisdictions. 
mm. which they obviously also have no idea about. <laughs> but it's just some like they were they were laughing about how it just sounds like something from a mid '90s Law and Order episode where uh, you know it's like, well, does the email go from Massachusetts into Connecticut and then back to Massachusetts or whatever? Where they're trying to determine, uh, you know, how the information flows, and uh, truly, truly hilarious stuff. On a related note, with Signal, uh, there's already a few trials that are being relitigated because of the Moxie Marlin spike, uh, like hacking that that uh, you know police call recording device, or that device that's able to extract mm. messages from mm-hmm. phones, uh, which we talked about very briefly uh, a few days ago. Yeah. Um, this was on HN yesterday. Uh, of yeah, uh, basically a a case is being uh, try you know a lawyer is trying to mark a particular case as a mistrial because it was based on evidence from one of these devices, and as have thousands before that. Wow. Um, so it's it's pretty. I mean that that could be crazy if then if all that evidence gets thrown out uh, just because Moxie uh, had a grudge and wanted to uh, you know throw this company under the bus pretty crazy that is that's wild that's going to be really interesting Mm -hmm. a really quick article is just called uh truly unified inbox blackberry got it right and nobody has since seriously Mm -hmm. uh it's great it's like four paragraphs long and just calls out this point that uh i feel very strongly about there is no (laughs) unified inbox for your messages and effectively no way to do it at all yep i wonder what i wanted to know as soon as they said this they're talking about how on blackberry you could see your gmail your exchange emails your incoming phone calls your text messages facebook messages google talk although it seems unlikely that facebook messages was we're going to be in there in 2004 or 2005 for blackberry users and then <laughs> bbms i have no idea what a bbm is oh that's blackberry messenger oh my goodness that's that was big in the day that was oh that was that was big that was like what iMessage is now like really people were big on bbm yeah okay but why do you know it you were 10 i guess you were 10 when it was released (laughs) um did you have a blackberry no i did not have a blackberry okay but i i cared about computing (laughs) i probably didn't when i was 10 i don't know i learned it later yeah well i'm sure it was dominant for at least a few years after its release uh i think we covered an app that was number one on hacker news like three months ago that was a unified inbox for all of your messages yeah i think we said it was never going to come and it must be vaporware and i don't even know the name of it and i've never heard of it since right that was what i was going to (laughs) say so uh yeah you know maybe one of these days maybe that one will resurface and we'll see it again and we'll all start using it and it'll be great but I doubt it. It seems unlikely. Speaking of short blog posts, uh, GitHub the GitHub blog came out with a a two sentence uh, two sentence blog post. It says all GitHub pages served from the GitHub IO domain will now have a permissions policy interest cohort equals empty brackets header set. See Page. ya. Yep. So this is them basically disabling GitHub flock or uh, Google flock on all pages hosted from GitHub IO. Which, uh, this is another thing that we're going to... I guess you've already said most of the browsers, the non-Chrome browsers, have come out with uh, statements of non-support for it. Uh, it doesn't particularly matter since 
you know there's a majority of people who use chrome anyway so like you know google's still gonna gonna get what they wanted out of this you know for the most part um even if no one else opts in so uh now it's kind of down to the websites uh to try to disable flock on a per site basis by uh adding in this particular permissions header uh, to all their pages so this is something that you know we talked about how wordpress was considering it github pages is doing it you know uh, I, I think it's just going to be one of those things that people bring up on uh, on Hacker News, you know, for independent blogs or websites and stuff. It's, you know, the top comment on every blog post from now on is going to be, oh, yeah, it's okay blog post, but, uh, you know, they haven't disabled, uh, they haven't disabled <laughs> the flock. So, uh, and then that's going to, you know, everyone's going to downvote it to hell. That's incredible. Yeah. Maybe I should make a blog post on my website saying that I have disabled flock. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely easiest way to uh you know trend on hacker news one, <laughs> one of the comments was like a big like aggregation describing like how to quickly disable disable it how what headers to add and whatnot uh with like cloudflare and fastly and akamai and all the big cdns that people use um mm. so yeah i i'm sure there's also already a hundred blog posts that describe that but uh it would be useful you could have you could definitely make a single function site how to disable flock io or whatever and just list out uh step-by-step instructions and then i'm sure that would uh that would uh you know be on the front page yeah that's funny oh man flock good old flock uh in other news there have been a couple deaths uh notable deaths to mention the uh apollo 11 astronaut michael collins passed away Mm -hmm. which is too bad this is the guy who made the the tragic mistake of not walking on the moon. He got up there. Right. He was right there. Just open the door, man. <laughs> Just take a step. Well, he was he wasn't even that guy, I believe. He was the one who stayed orbiting the moon. Oh, that's even worse. The, which is I don't know. This is a good question actually. Like he, at least he didn't get to the surface of the moon. Oh, I didn't realize that. Wait, he was so he was he was in the the moon's orbit but not he never landed that is my understanding yeah does he that count the apollo as, 11 that command does, module that, that does, you know what honestly i don't even know if we can give this guy credit for getting to the moon then at all <laughs> he experienced the gravity of the moon or something yeah so so That's... are we <laughs> <laughs> we can we can draw an arbitrary threshold <laughs> if you're closer to the moon than to earth or if the gravity of the moon is stronger than the gravity of Earth. <laughs> but so was there another guy who was in, who actually landed, but just didn't walk? I don't think so. Because there was only, there were three people, yes. I think, total. And it was Collins, Buzz Aldrin, and Neil Armstrong. Yep. And so this is the, they've all passed away now, right? Oh, no. Buzz Aldrin's still, uh, still yeah. cruising. Mm-hmm. Wow for him i remember when neil armstrong died because it was uh i was on my uh it was like the first week of mit for me oh wow i was on my uh freshman advising seminar or whatever it was my uh orientation program in yellowstone that happens the week before classes start uh when we saw it on the news and wow. uh we, people were talking about it yeah so yeah poor michael collins yeah always a bridesmaid <laughs> didn't get to walk on the moon what can, what can um, you do yeah what can you do 
And then the other one of note is Dan Kaminsky passed away, who I did not know about, but got the uh, was important enough to have the black bar on Hacker News last weekend when he passed away. Oh wow! And uh, which is the rare uh, tip of the hat to somebody in the Hacker News world, where unlike you know, unlike the Michael Collins story doesn't it doesn't really fit the hacker news style it's just notable in general but yeah. this guy found a flaw in dns <laughs> which is impressive yes <laughs> and also somewhat impressive that like i don't even know what would happen if there was a flaw in dns where you like it couldn't be used at all anymore how would most people access things i feel like that oh, would be a, a true disaster i'm sure there's some uh some blockchain-based DNS project out That's there a good that point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah would totally be fine and would not have any problems of its own. Yeah. Well, this guy was, I guess, just a security researcher in general, and there are tons of stories on Twitter and Hacker News about running into this guy and funny stories, and seemed like a <laughs> nice guy in the he looks like security a, world. Looks like a goofball in his Wikipedia picture too. He does look like a goofball. Yeah. This is this is the dream is to be a. Uh, world-class you know hacker defense expert you know uh cyber defense expert and then to uh wear those you know orange like bright orange glasses that don't even have lenses in them and uh that you know just be a total troublemaker that's the vibe yeah absolutely there's uh one good story uh that i guess is actually mentioned also on wikipedia but a couple people mentioned after he passed away was that he was uh when he was 11 he was uh, accessing military supercomputers okay (laughs) so his mom got a phone call who from somebody who identified as a network administrator for the western united states (laughs) um and uh, apparently this person said that as you know if if he didn't cut this out that they would punish them by cutting off their the house the internet access to the house this was in the 80s and his mom replied that if you do that i will take out an ad that says your security is so crappy that even an 11 year old can break it (laughs) 